Uh, hopefully you're enjoying it so far if you're visiting with us, if you're not used to being before. Um, as I said at the start, my name's Rich, I'm one of the leaders of the church, and my job really now is to kind of explain what's going on and what is going to go on so that everybody at least follows roughly what's happening and nobody goes away with the completely wrong idea. So um, I'm going to do my level best to do that in the next few minutes. Um, It's definitely not a traditional christening. Some of you may have come today because uh, you're here with your friends or family uh, of the parents uh, and even relatives of the babies in fact and and not so small babies. And you may come thinking, it's kind of a christening and you've been a bit thrown by the fact that it looks a little bit different and you're not sure what's going on. I'm going to try and really make it clear what is happening and what isn't happening, just to kind of separate any confusion from our minds. If I don't do a good enough job, please feel free to grab me at the end and say, no, I still don't get it. Um, New arrivals... Part of the reason we're doing this is because new arrivals, new babies is always a huge event, isn't it? For parents, any baby being born is massive. But these are all first-time parents. This is all kind of baby number one, which gets extra focus, doesn't it? Extra attention and basically extra life change. Suddenly, it's, it's, you can add kind of, if you've got a kid and you add another one in, everyone gets a little bit more tired. When it's first-time baby, literally the whole of life is different, isn't it? You suddenly realize, I can't go out when I think I can go out. I can't go to sleep or wake up when I think I can. We've got to kind of regulate everything about this incessant need to, to kind of feed and have rests and sleeps. And that's just the dads usually. And then you've got to factor the babies into it as well. And it's just, it's just a big, big change. And sometimes I think we lose uh, the extraordinariness of birth and a new life. We can get kind of slightly thrown by the mundane biology of it. Yeah, we understand the whole kind of biological process, start to finish. There's nothing very extraordinary about it. You know, we don't Spare your blushes, there are various mechanics that go on beforehand and then various cells do various things and it multiplies and we can track it and we can see diagrams and and, and computer animations all the way on the internet of the whole process. There's no mystery, there's no kind of excitement about it. Step back a minute, it's a new person. A new person has appeared. Yeah, we can track the biological process of how it happens, but that's an extraordinary event. I challenge you to come up with a new person by any other means. Even complicated robotics might not do it for you. And this, and this, on the one hand, is a seemingly mundane, everyday event. And on the other hand, I think it's phenomenal. I decided to do a little bit of research, as always, for this. Um, according to worldometers.com, which, I mean, if anything is going to be a reliable source of statistics, that is, isn't it? Uh, According to Worldometers, there are 7.196 billion people alive today. Now, you can actually, if you go onto worldometers.com, don't do it now on your phones, people getting distracted, you can see the numbers ticking away like that, which, if you're mistaken, you get the impression there's some guy in the office going, another one, another one, another one, another one, another one, hitting the keys. My guess is it's just rattling through at a rate. But you can see the numbers ticking through, and there's another one that ticks through, number of babies born today. And again, there's not a guy somewhere furiously pressing a button, for those of you of the older generation who struggle with kind of complicated technological things. It's a rate of going on. I decided to do some further statistical research to come up with exactly how many babies we expect to be born in any one day. Does anyone want to hazard a guess at the number of babies born worldwide in one 24-hour period? Anyone want to venture a guess? Anyone brave? Jeff? (laughs) 
75,000, a very good guess. Do I have any other offers? 75,000. Do we go higher? Do we go lower? Higher? Higher? How much higher? 76, that's not much higher, is it? (laughs) Higher than 76, anyone want to go higher? 90,000, anyone want to go higher than 90,000? A million? (laughs) You're out of your mind. (laughs) I'll spare you your and my misery. It's 300,000 every day, which is a lot, isn't it? It wasn't an auction. No one's going to take them home at the end if you've got the right amount. 300,000 babies born again. Did anyone hazard a guess at the number of iPhones sold a day? 300,000 babies every day. iPhones sold every day. 300,000? 400,000. So if we start storing them up, we could be dishing them out at birth, along with the kind of injections that they give. I also found out, whilst I was researching these tenuously baby-related facts, number of e- I won't ask you this one because you'll all get it wrong. You've, you've been fairly poor at guessing so far. Number of emails sent per day. 145 billion. That's bonkers, isn't it? 145 billion emails shared out between 7.196 billion people. You wonder, you wonder how t- the US government has got time to read them all, but they seem to manage. How much cheese is sold per day in kilograms? <laughs> anybody, have, anybody have a guess? Anybody know? Number of, number of kilograms of cheese sold per day? Any sort of cheese. All the French ones, all the Italians, cheddar, you know, Stilton, king of cheeses. Who wants to guess? Does no one have an idea? No, I don't know either. I couldn't find that one. I was, I was hoping we might get somewhere. Um, I'm sure there was a correlation between that and iPhones, but I don't know. I'll give you some genuine baby facts for those of you who are starting to wonder what is going on. These are true baby facts, which I found were staggering. Babies are born with an innate ability to smile. Loads of what we do as people, we learn, don't we, through copying parents. Babies smile automatically. There's been a study done where they basically looked at a lot of blind babies, born blind and babies that weren't, and the ones that are blind smile as well. There seems to be something hardwired in babies that a response to happiness is a smile. Lots of what we do is learn. That one's not. This, I think, is incredible as well. After two days, studies have shown... After two days, a baby is able to recognize its mother's voice from just one syllable. Not even a, ooh, it's a lovely little boy then. Ooh, Mr. Goo Goo, look at you. But from just a, presumably just a goo. One syllable. Two days. I think that's extraordinary. Heaviest surviving baby. I always like to wheel these kind of facts out. I always like to look at the mums when I give you this one. Heaviest surviving baby. Now, for the, for, the, for the younger blokes amongst you that don't really know what's going on, we're normally talking seven or eight pounds, okay? Heaviest surviving baby, brace yourselves, ladies. 22 pounds, eight ounces. My life. Smallest surviving baby, 10 ounces. Born after 21 weeks and six days. Extraordinary. For both those children, it's extraordinary that they made it. And today, one of the things we're going to be doing is taking the opportunity to thank God for the safe arrival of the kids that we've got here today. None of them were as extreme as that, although some of the stories the mums may tell you make it sound like they were that extreme. What we're going to do is pray for them, thank God for their safe arrival, and pray for them and the parents and the futures. You've got to think, 7.196 billion people in the world today, all of them unique, all of them individuals, not just you know, just them out there, everybody like you and like me with, with hopes and dreams and fears. 
with a life stretching out in front of them. Every single one of them with a first memory. What's your first memory? This isn't a shout out bit. I mean, mercifully, I think God doesn't let the memories kick in really until a few years in. Otherwise, you imagine the horrific memories you'd be having of having your legs held up in the air and your nappy changed and all the muck cleaned out and constant white sick down your front. And it just, I think it would be deeply unpleasant. I think my first memory that I can drag out is sitting in a little, one of those little buggies that they push kids around at the school waiting for my brother. I don't know how old I was, two or three or something like that. And I can genuinely remember thinking, this is brilliant. I haven't had to walk anywhere. I, I just remember thinking, this I could do for the rest of my life. Sadly, that hasn't happened. But the, the babies that we're going to be thanking God for and praying for today, who knows what they're going to remember? Who knows what changes are going to go through their life? I mean, I'm, I'm not an old person. I trust you'll agree with me. But I can, you think about, I can just think about, even when I was thinking about this, I thought, what's changed in my life? Technological changes have been immense. I remember the very first digital watch. I remember my friends and I at primary school being in awe as we gazed at it. There's no hands. It just clicks through the seconds. I remember being thrilled playing Pong, you know, the, the, the original kind of computer game. For those of you who are young and don't know what I'm talking about, look it up online. You'll be amazed at the, the gameplay. It's phenomenal. I, I remember the Spectrum coming out with 16 massive colours to use in graphics. I remember watching the internet for the very first time. I remember going around my friend Mike's house. Uh, and he said, come on, I've got the internet. Let's have a look at it. And I said, what's it like? And he said, it's like a really slow magazine. Because it was dial-up at the time. And it was. It's like, should we turn a page? Let's do it. Oh, there's the page. Nothing much on it. And you look at us now, we virtually live online. These kids aren't going to remember their first experience of the internet. It'll just be ubiquitous for them. I remember the Cold War going on between Russia and the Soviet Union. I remember the Berlin Wall coming down. I remember South Africa having a legal system of apartheid, segregating people according to what race they are. I remember Gary Lineker playing football rather than talking about it on the telly. The, I just, you know, extraordinary changes. We can't tell what the future is going to be for these guys that we're going to be praying for today. But we do want them to be able to face whatever changes they go through in life, knowing that they are secure in the love of their parents and the love of God. We want them to know they're not facing a, a weird, unchanging, uh, un, un, incomprehensible world where stuff just happens and there's no point and there's no meaning and there's no purpose. We want them to know that God loves them. We want them to know that God cares for them. We want them to know that God will be with them as they grow up. And so we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for the parents shortly and ask God to bless them. We want them to know like every one of those 7.196 billion people in the world today, we want them to know God loves them. God does not see humanity as a mass of faces or as a statistic ticking over on worldometers.com. Jesus teaches us that God loves everybody as individuals. And whether you're a believer of sorts here, whether you don't know what you believe, whether you know you definitely don't believe any of this stuff, I still want you to know God loves you. And he cares about you. You're valuable, you're precious, you're important to him. It's not just that he likes little babies. He likes people. 
So what are we doing? It's not a christening. I said that at the start. This is not a christening. This is not a baptism. Nobody is getting initiated into a religion today. That is just not what's going on. Because Christianity fundamentally is not a religion. Therefore, we can't initiate anybody into Christianity in that way. I kind of define religion as a set of rules and rituals that you have to do to keep God happy. You do certain things at certain times in certain ways. And if you do them well enough, then God is pleased with you and accepts you. And if you don't do them well enough, then he gets the hump and he's not pleased with you. Religion is is nothing to do with what Jesus came to bring us. And religion is nothing to do with what we're talking about this morning. Religion is like alcohol-free lager. that You look at it and you think, that will probably do the job. And then you taste it and think, no, I'm disappointed. Bitterly disappointed. Religion is like winning an opportunity to have dinner with your favorite celebrity. And you sit down and suddenly realize, no, this isn't Tom Cruise or whoever. This is a cardboard cutout. From a distance, it looks like it does the job. And you may know people uh, with kind of a kind of religious sense about them. And you think, well, they're doing their thing from a distance. But it doesn't satisfy. Because religion doesn't get us to meet God. Religion just gets us to go through certain kind of procedures or follow certain rules. But that don't bring a real personal correction. And actually, the reason we exist is to know God personally. And religion fobs us off with a cardboard cutout version of it. Jesus didn't come and say, join my religion. Jesus frequently came to people and said, you follow me. Jesus claimed that the way we connect with God is through him. Jesus claimed that the reason we exist is so that we can know God. And everything else that substitutes itself for that is just a poor imitation And the way we connect with God through Jesus is by personal faith. It's by making a decision. I'm going to choose to follow Jesus with my whole life. Therefore, it can't be an inherited identity. There's nothing we can do to little babies or little kids to make them Christians. Because a Christian is somebody who said, I'm going to choose for myself to follow Jesus and connect with God through him. A Christian is not someone who's been christened, or whose parents are Christians, or who lives a good life or is part of a church. A Christian is someone who's chosen to personally reconnect with God through Jesus and have their whole life changed. To state the obvious, little babies can't do that. They can't even change their own nappy or feed themselves or walk around or do basic crosswords. One of the opportunities, the, the birth of a baby, and as they grow on, grow up, get a little bit older, it gives us a chance to do is take these significant life events, things that on a global picture seem so mundane, so kind of just biologically driven. Baby's born, it happens, the population grows, I see the numbers tick over. But actually for the people involved are massive. You talk to the parents of the kids that we're going to be praying for today, life will never be the same for them. Not just practically, but emotionally in the way they think and they feel. This is a huge, significant life event. This is also a huge opportunity for all of us to stop and just think again about life. To reflect. I was born. One day, that was me. Little Mr. Gugu who couldn't do anything for himself. Do you know, one day that will probably be me again. And then we die. What is my life all about? What is the point? Why do I exist? Jesus came and told us that we are born to know God. 
The problem we have is we choose to reject God, to push him out, to keep him at arm's length, to try and placate him with a little bit of religious observance. You know, a couple of times a year I'll go to church, I'll do a good thing, I'll give a little bit of money to charity, I'll try not to hurt anybody else. But we've pushed him out. Relationally, it doesn't make sense. It's like kind of being in a romantic relationship with someone, utterly rejecting them, but saying, look, a couple of times a year, let's get together and have dinner. Presumably with some cardboard cutouts and low alcohol lager. It doesn't work. Because we exist to know God, and yet we've pushed God out and we've lost this connection with God, we find ourselves like tin openers in a world with no cans. We just think, what's the point? What do I... Why am I like this? Why do I think the way I do? Why do I feel the way I do? We find ourselves like people skydiving, maybe enjoying the ride, but the dawning realization is, I have no parachute. This this is not going to end well. Jesus came to teach us that we are most fulfilled, most satisfied. We gain significance and identity when we meet God and connect with him through Jesus. One of the risks of parenting that all you guys are going to face, it doesn't seem like it now, but one of the risks of parenting is you can do your level best and your child will grow up and make their own choices. And they can make wrong choices. And they can make choices that you disagree with. It's just the risk we run. You cannot control your children forever. It seems like you can't even control them early on. In the middle of the night, I just want to go to sleep. Stop crying. Stop being sick. Stop filling your nappy. As it goes on, you discover you you can't control them. And one of the risks a parent runs is despite the fact that they love this little person with all their heart, is that one day, potentially, devastatingly, it could grow up into an angry, stroppy teenager or even older and reject you and walk away and say, I don't want anything else to do with you. And it happens. And Maybe even some of you older people here today have had that pain in your life. It's exactly the same risk that God runs with us. That we can choose to turn away and say, no thank you God, I'm going to do my own thing. And in exactly the same way as those parents, they just want the relationship back with their children. God wants us to reconnect with him through Jesus. Jesus came so that we can reconnect with God as our father. Not a stern Victorian father, you know, presumably with a suit and a big beard on, frowning looking to catch us out when we've done wrong. But Jesus presents a picture of God as a warm, loving, emotionally involved, present father who just loves to spend time with his children. Jesus made it possible for us to come home and reconnect with God. And this whole baby thing is a metaphor that Jesus uses for what it's like when we meet God and reconnect with him. The most extraordinary analogy that Jesus uses of becoming a Christian, of choosing to commit your life to follow Jesus, is of being born again. Which is, which is he, spoke it to, he was teaching this to one of the religious types of his day. He said to him, are you seriously suggesting that we go back into our mother's womb as an adult and be born again? Which is a horrific image, particularly for some of the larger people amongst us. You know, if you're one of the, one of the guys here and you think, well, I've... no. Jesus says that's a ridiculous thing to say. What it means is you get a fresh crack at life. It means you stay the same outside. You don't lose weight. You don't lose wrinkles. The gray hairs don't fade. But you get to start again. 
You get, you, you get the, 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 the stuff that you've heaped up over how many years you've lived that as keeping God at a distance wiped clean. You get to start a new life. You get changed inside. Something changes inside of you. It's not joining a religion. Anybody can do that. That offers you nothing other than a new code for living. Jesus offers you the chance to start again. And to some of you, that's really appealing. To some of you, to, to go back to being a baby would be really appealing. Carried around, don't have to walk anywhere, fed whenever I want, no responsibilities, no work. Brilliant. Some of you would even love the nappies. I don't even need to get up to go to the loo anymore. Others of you would hate it. I've got no control over my life. Someone's poking mush into my face with a spoon. They're calling me Mr. Goo Goo all the time. I don't like it. My name's John. What Jesus offers is a chance to be new inside, to have the guilt and the shame and the mess-ups that we all build up during life wiped away and to come to God. And Jesus says, you know what? You need to be born again to connect with God. You get the freedom to live life the way you know you want to live it. You get the freedom to be the person that actually you really want to be because deep down you know you're not the person you want to be. You know there's a whole bunch of stuff that even if those closest to you knew what you really did or said or thought, they would think, what, really? The stuff that you don't even like to acknowledge about yourself. Jesus offers you the chance to start again and be born again. I just wonder for you, maybe today is a good time to stop and think about God, about your life, about where it's going and what the point is. We're really happy to help you. You're really welcome to come again on other Sundays that we do when we explore this kind of thing week in, week out. Uh, the Christmas stuff will be really good. We've got an alpha course running in the new year, which is a chance just to explore these things in an evening over a meal in a different kind of way. If any of those things help you, we're really happy to talk about it. But let's finally bring it back to the babies. We're not christening anybody. No one's becoming a Christian. We, we would love these babies and guys to grow up and have their own relationship with God as an adult, but we've got to let them choose that for themselves. They've got their whole life ahead of them. We can't choose their own faith for them. It's a cliche, but it's true that God has got many children, but he's got no grandchildren. No one comes to God through the merits of their parents' faith. And we are going to pray that these kids choose of their own will, to meet God themselves. As we pray for them, we're going to be doing two things. We're going to be thanking God for their safe arrival and for their life. And we're going to be praying that God would bless them and their parents as we go on. Just those two things. No religious initiation. No kind of strange spiritual transformation. We're thanking God and we're praying that God would bless them. We need to pray for the parents too because the Bible teaches us that children are a blessing from God and real life tells us that it doesn't always feel like they're a blessing from God. When you're up in the middle of the night for the fifth time and you're cleaning up the sick and you're changing the bed sheets and you're tired, you think, is this a blessing from God? Being a parent is really tough. And actually, you think it's tough when they're kids and then they grow up and they hit teenage and you think, oh, now I see. It really is tough. And it goes on and there's something that never leaves you. So we're going to pray for the parenting. I think being a parent, for me personally, is like being a Christian. Life is a lot easier if you're not a parent. Life is a lot easier if you're not a Christian. But I would never swap being a parent for anything. And I would never swap being a Christian for anything. 
Giving your life to Jesus will be the hardest thing you've ever done, but it'll be the best thing you've ever done in exactly the same way that you guys know having a little baby is one of the hardest things you'll ever do, but one of the greatest things 